Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Good morning, DMV! What's going on? Welcome in to another edition of AWOD Radio here on DC Sports Radio 106.7 The Fan. Join me from 9 to noon. You can always get in touch with me throughout the show, 1-800-636-1067, or you can tweet me at AWOD Radio. Yes, that's right. The son of the junks is back. It's time to get up. Get up and Adam. I'm Adam Epstein, and we've got a lot to get to on the show today. I'm calling it Championship Weekend because you've got the conference championships in the NFL tomorrow. Who you got in the AFC and the NFC? Well, I've got you covered. Before you place any bets, before you actually make any official picks, we're going to go into real depth here with each of the teams left in the NFL playoffs, how they got here before we preview each matchup. I'll have a reporter on for each of the four teams remaining. We've got Dante Hittner, former 49er and longtime NFL vet at safety. Dante Whitner will join the show at 11.30. We'll talk Eagles with Chris McPherson, Tyler Dragon, who's a Bengals reporter at 10.30, and Soren Petro, who covers the Chiefs at 11.45. The question of the day in the NFL, I want to know, if you're listening right now, 1-800-636-1067, who has the best fan base of the four teams left and who has the worst? I I think most people would agree of the four teams left, the worst fan base is Philly, right? I've told stories uh, for days about how Philly fans have come to FedEx and ruined my childhood and just cursed at kids. I've seen them pour beer at kids on FedEx, at FedEx Field. And everyone knows around the country, Philly fans are just the worst. They're terrible people. And most of them will admit it. I was out drinking a beer with a Philly fan last night, and he was proud to admit that they're the worst fan base of the four teams left. But who's the best? San Francisco has five Super Bowls. Maybe it's them. Philadelphia has one. Kansas City with two Super Bowls. Cincinnati, the Bengals have zero, trying to get their first with Joe Burrow. How cool of a story would that be if Joe Burrow goes from missing the entire season with an injury, then leads his team all the way to the Super Bowl, has the heartbreak, loses in the Super Bowl. I think a lot of people forget Joe Burrow was one second away from winning that Super Bowl. One second. If he has one more second, an extra second in the pocket, he connects on that long pass to Jamar Chase, and I think it's the Bengals celebrating. And the Rams in defeat. But instead, it was the other way around. And yet, Cincinnati was kind of ruled out after that, right? Immediately after the Super Bowl, I remember seeing online, Bills are the favorite next season. And then after them, it was the Kansas City Chiefs. What happened to the Bengals? Nobody believed in them. The entire team, the Cincinnati Bengals, believed in themselves. And they've done it again this season, getting back to the conference championship with a chance to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl Again, phone lines are open throughout the show, 1-800-636-1067, 1-800-636-1067. So we've got a lot to get to on the show today. I'm going to try to 
take a, a segment here to do a little university drive, talking all the college basketball here in the state of Virginia, as there are a ton of really good ACC games today, including UVA is in action against Boston College, Virginia Tech tonight against Syracuse, Duke has a good game, UNC has a good game, Pittsburgh against Clemson is going to be a great one. Um, so there's a lot of good basketball in the ACC Hopefully I can get to later on in the show today. We'll talk about the Commander's breakout player of the season for next year. Phone lines are always open, but I wanted to start with the Washington Wizards, who made the trade earlier this week. Rui Hashimura to the Lakers. In return, we got Kendrick Nunn and three second-round draft picks. Candace Buckner had a perfect article. It was one of the best articles I've ever read as a frustrated Wizards fan after that trade. And she kept saying, what are the Wizards doing? I asked myself that. I've asked myself that same question every single day this week. What are the Wizards doing? What are they doing? What are we doing? Do we have a vision? Do we have a plan? Are we just paying a bunch of random players and hoping that we can win some games? You know? What are the Wizards doing? You made the trade. Now you're obviously going all in on Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma. A big three. The big three. It's not that big. They're not that great. Bradley Beal's missed a ton of action this season, and he doesn't look like he's worth even 25% of his contract. Kristaps Porzingis, now he's been good, the unicorn, but now he's dealing with this ankle injury. We don't know when he's going to return. And then there's Kyle Kuzma, the fashionista, right, walking around with the oversleeves way too long. But I'll give him credit. He's been the reason to watch Wizards games this season. Kyle Kuzma has been clutch, picking up right where he left off last year, and close to making an all-star appearance. I think that will eventually happen in the next few years. They are currently on a four-game win streak and play in New Orleans today. And I ask you guys listening right now, do you want this team to lose and tank? Right? I mean, that seems like what the answer should be. Or do you want them to get hot and get into the playoffs? I think everyone knows the correct answer is tank. But at the same time, it's hard to not enjoy watching winning basketball. It's a terrible situation to be in. Four-game win streak, another game today against New Orleans. I want to see the team win, but I don't trust this core. I'd rather see the team blow it up completely. Bradley Beal's got a no-trade clause. I can't wait for him to waive that. I, I can't wait for that day. I'd love for Bradley Beal to go to Miami. I don't think he's ever going to live up to his contract. Hamstring seems to be completely torn. It'll never be the same. There was a Washington Post this article this morning, article this morning by Ava Wallace. Four questions that will help determine the state of the Wizards. What are the big picture goals for this roster? Because I've been wondering that same thing myself. The Wizards, as should surprise nobody, are in this roster here where it should be triggering a rebuild. But yet Tommy Shepard's front office believes that there's more talent here than there has been in years. The record doesn't reflect that, not at all. But... You could also say it's been because of injuries. Well, how about what's the team's record when you have the core trio of Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma? They played 23 games together this season. They're 11 and 12. I mean, that tells me blow it all up. That's your big three? You're 11 and 12? You know, I get it. They haven't played together very often. 23 games is not a big sample size. But 23 games with those three? You know, the record, if you really want to go all in with that, those three, the record should be like 18 and 5. Not below 500. Ava Wallace says that the organization has hit on several trades, though. Daniel Gafford is the starting center. And I do like the 
twin tower approach with Gafford and Porzingis together down low. I think it helps on the defensive end and the offensive end. It's nice because then when Kristaps Porzingis hangs around the three-point line, you still have a guy that can battle for offensive rebounds. And Porzingis is averaging second most points of his career at 22.1. Kuzma maintained his level of play from last year, averaging a career-high 22.2 points per game and 7.6 rebounds. Can you keep this group together? Well, the only way that that can happen is if the owner is all in. Because they're going to have to go over the luxury tax. Ted Leontes has only paid the luxury tax once since he took over the team in 2010. The next question, where does this team stand with, with Kuzma? Washington has told interested teams they would like to re-sign Kuzma this summer when he hits free agency and they won't trade him. Lots of people have said he doesn't want to be here. I, I don't know where people are seeing that, though. I, I get it. It feels like he's a guy that belongs in L.A. But I actually haven't seen any quotes from Kyle Kuzma where he demands a trade, like Rui Hashimura did, or expresses concern about living in D.C. and wanting to move out of here. No, he said he's 100% open to remaining in Washington. Where do we go from here? You got KP, Porzingis. He's dealing with a left ankle sprain. Caused him to miss two games. Headed into the game this Saturday. He's probably going to test free agency in the offseason. So Washington can't even promise that they're, to their fan base they're going to keep Porzingis if they wanted to. He would have to choose Washington. The next question, where else could Washington make changes? I think Monte Morris has been solid, but I promise Wizards fans out there, we're all still searching for that dominant point guard, as we have been since John Wall left. The writing was on the wall even before John Wall left that Washington needed to draft a point guard. But they didn't do that. And then they drafted a point guard this year who's not even close to sniffing the NBA. <laughs> but I'll give Morris credit for his contract. For his contract at $9.8 million, he has been great. Averaging 10.4 points, 5.4 assists, shooting 47%. But he should be your off-the-bench guy. So, after the trade, everyone wanted to know what Washington's visit was. What's the vision for this team? Well, there it is. Kuzma, KP, and Brad. They believe in that big three. I think you're going to have to upgrade a point guard. They really like Denny Avdia. I really like Denny Avdia. But I don't think he's the next piece to a championship team. You know, a big part of the Rui trade they kept saying was, oh yeah, we've got to get more minutes for Denny Avdia. We had a log jam at the power forward, small forward position. Have to get Denny Avdia more opportunities. And they love Daniel Gafford, who's now getting more extended minutes and producing. The problem is, this team isn't deep enough. They can't stay healthy. And I don't think the stars on the team can keep up their averages. Like Kuzma. Will he keep playing at this level? He's been unbelievable. Bradley Beal hasn't even gotten close to meeting his expectations since signing the contract. And as good as Porzingis is, he's just one bad move away from being injured for the season. I really feel that way. Here's actually what I expect. Tommy Shepard's going to make another move, and he's going to stack up draft picks. That probably is a good decision because this team is – this is a very, very deep upcoming NBA draft. And maybe he's thinking that's how they can save money and keep this core together. You got the big three that they call the big three, the average three, Beal, Porzingis, KP. And then they say, oh, yeah, we'll mix in Denny and Corey, and we'll have three new rookies next year on rookie contracts. 
That's how we can save money. They like Jordan Goodwin. He'll earn a contract. Taj Gibson has been fine on a veteran minimum. The problem is, even after all that, at their best, they're not even close to being a top-four team in the East. They don't come anywhere near the talent that Milwaukee has, the star power with the big two in Boston, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The point guard play that Atlanta has with those two guys so much better. The coaching of the Heat with Spolstra, one of the best coaches in the league. The Wizards can't compete. So what do we do? What do we do from here? 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on DC Sports Radio 106.7 The Fan. My name is Adam Epstein. Phone lines are always open. 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. So I've moved on from the sports junkies. Love those guys. But I'm here in Richmond, Virginia. And you can hear me from 12 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday on 910 The Fan as well as the Odyssey app. You could download the free Odyssey app today and listen throughout the country. Type in 910 The Fan. You can find AWOD Radio Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. And I've been doing a lot of college basketball talk on my show as we've got a lot of great basketball here in the state of Virginia. And none better right now than University of Virginia. who's number seven in the country a few weeks ago. Tony Bennett became the winningest coach in UVA history. And he's got a great squad again this year. You know, I've been talking to a bunch of reporters throughout the week, and one of the questions that I've asked them is, how do you compare this Virginia squad to the squad that won the national championship? Well, the one holdover from that squad is point guard Kihei Clark, and he's been terrific this season, offensively and defensively. Might be one of the best on-ball defenders in the country. But the difference between this team and the national championship team is that they believe, a lot of people I've talked to, Mike Barber, Gene Wong from the Washington Post, This team might be better offensively. And they really work the ball better around. And offensively, it's better to watch. You know that they're going to be great on defense with the pack line defense. But offensively, this team can really score. As we discuss all of the college basketball in the state of Virginia here on University Drive. Let's go to University Drive. Scores, buzzer beaters, madness. All the college basketball in the state of Virginia. We'll follow your favorite teams all season long. University Drive on AWOD Radio. All right, let's start with UVA, who are at home at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia, hosting Boston College, who struggled this year 4-6 and in the ACC, but they did get a victory over Virginia Tech earlier this year. You can't have a letdown like that if you're a Who's fan. Virginia coming into this contest, Just playing some really great basketball. Currently on a five-game win streak. Their last loss to Pittsburgh, who's having an incredible season. 68-65, just a three-point loss. Uh, During this win streak, win over Wake Forest was huge. Win over North Carolina was even bigger. I will say, though, that win over North Carolina, they did not have Armando Baycott, uh, who's one of the greatest basketball players in the country right now, the center for the Tar Heels. He went out with an ankle injury. They will have a rematch against North Carolina later in February. But today, against Boston College, you can watch it 12 noon on ACC Network. I think the key to this game 
is going to be, like I said, the defensive end is always going to be there for UVA. But can they keep getting the offensive production that they've got from Ben Vanderplas, who has been unbelievable this year as a senior center? He's six foot eight, but he steps into three balls with confidence. He really does, and he's been terrific this season. Uh, was coming off the bench for a while. They put him in, into the starting lineup against UNC. He had 17 points, 15 points. He followed that up the next game against Florida State and really shooting almost 50% in conference play from three-point range. He was 2 of 4 last game for 8 points, also grabbed 7 rebounds. He is a guy that you can count on for UVA. Their most uh, their most talented player on the team this year is probably Reese Beekman. Super athletic. He brings it every single game on the defensive side of the ball. And then on offense, UVA is, is so good at these backdoor cuts, right? And you catch it and you just go up with the ball and Reese Beekman is so athletic that he catches it as he's going to the basket and he's either dunking on people, getting fouled and finishing with and one. He's the junior guard on Milwaukee. 6'3", has been great this season, averaging 9.8 points per game, 3.4 rebounds. But I, I think everyone knows that this offense runs through Kihei Clark and what I've noticed about him from his game, I feel like he's gotten better and better with his ball handling. He's one of the fastest guards in the country. He can pick his spot and get exactly where he wants to get and it helps set up the offense he's got a nice three-point shot and if you blink for a second he'll get right by you to the cup and finish with a layup even though he's a smaller guard his quickness allows him to get to the cup and finish at the rim and then Armand Franklin who's been the surprise in my mind this season leading the team in scoring at 12.8 points per game and his three-point shooting has been leading the Cavs this season he's coming off a monster 25 point performance last game against Wake Forest in which he was 5 of 13 from the three-point line 9 of 21 from the field also grabbed 10 rebounds and, and so really this UVA team's got a solid starting five they got a few pieces off the bench Freshman Isaac McNeely doesn't look like a freshman at all. He's hitting his three-point shots. I expect UVA to roll past Boston College at 12 noon. Louisville, Notre Dame also at 12 noon. Both those schools have been struggling mightily this season. How about Duke against Georgia Tech at 3 p.m.? I watched Duke the other night uh, for the first time this season in their game against Virginia Tech. My goodness. You guys have to see this freshman center, Kyle Filipowski. Oh, my gosh. He's seven foot. It's like he's a, a mix of Kyle Singler with Christian Leitner, except he's also really athletic. He's averaging 15.7 points per game, nine and a half rebounds, and he's leading the Duke Blue Devils this season. They're going to need him uh, because they haven't been the best team in ACC play so far this season. Duke really in the kind of middle of the pack right now, five and four in the ACC behind Syracuse, Wake, NC State, and of course the top five teams, which is UNC, Miami. Coach Larinaga's got an unbelievable squad again this year with Miller and Wong in the backcourt. Wong could be up there uh, for player of the year in the conference. Number two team in the conference, I just talked about them. Number seven in the country right now, UVA. How about the Clemson Tigers surprising everyone? So one of my uh, gigs here at 910 The Fan in Richmond is going to the ACC tip-off. And I also go to the ACC kickoff in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is really cool. For football, everyone wants to talk to Dabo and Clemson. For basketball, it was like crickets. 
Nobody wanted to interview the head coach, the players. And I thought that was so intriguing because now all of a sudden they're the best team in the ACC. Been a real surprise. 9-1 and in conference play, 17-4 and on the season. All right, let's get to... ACC Network, 7 p.m. It is the Syracuse Orangemen on the road in Blacksburg, Virginia at the Castle Coliseum to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies who are 12-8 on the season, 9-2 at home. That's key because in ACC play, it has been a struggle. 2-7, but like I said, coming off of that big win against Virginia uh, against Duke, right? So Duke came to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech got a win. Now they have another home game against Syracuse. The big thing, my takeaway from that was they shot 52% from three against the Duke Blue Devils. What is Syracuse known for? A 2-3 defense. You're going to get off a lot of three-point shots. If you can hit them at 50% like you did last game, I think you're going to be successful. This Virginia Tech squad relies on the three-point percentage. They rely on their guys getting hot. How the heck, that's how they won the ACC tournament last year. A lot of people forget that. Hunter Couture uh, back from last season. A lot of the other guys as well that were important in that run, the three-point shooters. One of the new guys this year is Grant Basile. And this uh, transfer has been so much fun to watch. He's six foot nine from Wisconsin and he kind of looks like he's not super athletic like he's not going to be able to bang with the big guys down low but from what I've noticed that's totally the opposite he steps into a three point shot with with confidence which allows Virginia Tech to kind of spread the floor and have five guys around the perimeter but then against Duke he was battling down low with the big guys and he has been on fire as of late it's going to be important for him to keep that up he had a 26 point performance in a loss at Syracuse a few weeks ago coming off that 24 point performance against Duke in the victory the other night. Can the Hokies get two wins in a row with a victory tonight against the Orangemen at 7 p.m. on ACC Network? I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio. Phone lines are open throughout the show. 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on DC Sports Radio 1067, the fan. So, like I mentioned, it is championship weekend in the NFL. Who will advance to the Super Bowl from the AFC and the NFC? Well, before you place your bets, listen to the show all the way till 12 noon because I've got Chris McPherson, Eagles reporter, coming up at 10 a.m., Tyler Dragon, Bengals reporter at 10.30. We'll talk Chiefs with Soren Petro, and then Dante Hittner, Dante Whitner, longtime NFL safety for the 49ers, will join us at 11.30. I think Fred Warner is going to be an X factor in that game. I'm really looking forward to both the games on Sunday. I love the time slot, 3 and 6.30. You know, I'll be on my couch for about six and a half hours, but you can still get a good night's sleep on Sunday. And so I'm really looking forward to Championship Sunday. This is Championship AWOD here with you on DC Sports Radio 106.7 The Fan. Phone lines are always open, 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. Right now I wanted to bring up this article from Pro Football Focus, all right? And they went through every single team for next season, right? It's already the offseason for 28 franchises. Washington is one of them. In fact, our offseason started a week before the final game of the season. Even though Ron Rivera didn't know he was eliminated, I still can't get over that. Like, I was talking with a buddy about it yesterday. It still blows my mind that Ron Rivera, the head coach of Washington, did not know they could be eliminated until Grant Polson of 1067 The Fan told him so. Grant Polson, the little bird in his ear. I can't believe that. If I had my wish, Ron Rivera would not return next season. No way. 
Not as the head coach. Keep him in the front office. That's fine. The players love him. Keep him around for culture. But not on the field making decisions. And definitely not the guy who picks the next quarterback. So not only does it blow my mind he didn't know we were eliminated, it still blows my mind that he was working with this team every single day, every single day this year, and thought that it was a smart move to go back to Carson Wentz. What the hell did he see on the practice field? Nothing that we saw in the first five weeks of the, of the, of the, of the season. When the team was 1-4, he looked god-awful. And then even when they won the game against the Bears with his broken finger, he looked even worse. It was at that moment when I knew he wasn't the answer. And I think everybody in Washington knew he wasn't the answer. But Ron Rivera didn't think that. Ron Rivera thought he was going to lead this team to the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Sheesh. All right, so Pro Football Focus named a breakout candidate for each team in 2023. And for Washington, they named Jahan Dotson. What do you think of that? There's a lot of breakout candidates for Washington next season. 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. I want to hear from you right now, members of the AWOD Army. 1-800-636-1067. Who will be the breakout star player for the Commanders next season? So Washington moved back to five spots in the 2023 NFL Draft before selecting Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson at number 16 overall. Some did criticize Washington's pick, passed on Chris Olave, Jameson Williams, but really he got a lot out of that trade, and it worked out really well. Dotson jumped out of the gates. Two touchdowns in his first NFL game. He was Pepsi NFL Rookie of the Week. Unfortunately, that hamstring injury in week four would kind of ruin his season because he missed the next five games. Then it felt like even when he returned, he wasn't you know, acclimated. He wasn't uh, himself. He wasn't back to his full form with his speed. But he did finish his rookie season with 35 receptions, 523 yards, and a team leading seven touchdowns. Will he lead the team in touchdowns next season? Pro Football Focus recently began to look ahead at 2023, naming one breakout player for all 32 teams. For Washington, it was Jahan Dotson. What do you think? 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. Although I do expect Jahan Dotson, and I love how he's got the nickname Han, Han Solo Dotson, to have a solid season. I think he'll be good. I do not expect him to be our breakout player. In my opinion, we got too many weapons at wide receiver for that to happen. And I will tell you guys right now, in fact, I think Curtis Samuel ends up with better stats in 2023. I think he's the better player. If he can stay on the field, if he can stay healthy, he's quicker. Now, I love them both. And then I like Terry as well. And I think Terry will do better in the touchdown department next season, right? I think we'll focus on that. I think Sam Howell or whoever the quarterback is will focus on getting Terry more involved in the red zone. Because really... The amount, the money that he's getting paid and the star player that he is with the two game-winning touchdown catches this season, I expect him to lead this team in touchdowns catches next season. How about Cole Turner? He's a good candidate for breakout player. What do you think? 1-800-636-1067. He looks athletic, good pass catcher. The concussion hurt his season. But there's a chance Logan Thomas is cut. I think there's a real possibility that that happens. That means more opportunities for Cole Turner. John Bates is a blocking tight end, not a pass catcher. Cole Turner might be the best option moving forward. Then there's Sam Howell. He's got to be an obvious candidate for breakout player, right? He looked sharp against Dallas. It was one game, but he looked good. Now he'll have the entire offseason to prepare, knowing he's got a chance to win the starting quarterback job. In fact, Washington is telling potential OCs that Sam Howell is QB1. Imagine... 
the confidence that that instills in him to go out and work all offseason. I've seen videos of him back at UNC where he went to school, working out already. I'm looking for big things from Sam Howell. But I would also take average numbers, and I think that's more realistic than saying he's going to be a breakout player, pro bowler. No, he's not. Not 30 touchdowns, maybe just 15, maybe less than 15 interceptions. I think it would be a miracle for him to play all 17 games next season and avoid injury and avoid a stinker where the fan base says, let's give another guy an opportunity. But what I'm hoping for from Sam Howell is just solid, average, consistent quarterback play, a little bit above a game manager, a guy that can run for a first down with his legs, expand, uh, ex- expand the pocket and extend the play, and don't make too many rookie mistakes. But I don't have him as the breakout player for Washington. Jamin Davis, some would argue this was his breakout year, going from a guy that disappeared to flashing almost every game to eventually being named the starter. The starting Mike linebacker for a defense that really came on strong. I actually think Jammin could be a breakout player and a pro bowler. I saw that kind of potential. We knew he had the speed, but now he's processing quicker. It's almost like in his second year here, he's upgraded his internal software like a computer, and now his processing speed is quicker. Boom, 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 boom. He's reading routes. He understands where he needs to be on the football field to make a play, to make the tackle. Derek Forrest. That's a good candidate for breakout player of the year. He flashed a lot. Why couldn't he break out and be a pro bowler? Benjamin St. Juice. There's a chance he's a pro bowler next year, right? He could be our breakout player. I think he's going to be terrific. I promise you that. Why? Because he was great when he was healthy this season. I I think he was way better than we all thought he was going to be. So much better than Kendall Fuller on the other side. Better than William Jackson III, obviously. That's why we moved on from him. And he just had LASIK eye surgery. Now we see in the ball 2020. The amount of interceptions he has might start racking up here. He had a ton of pass deflections this season. Maybe those deflections turn into turnovers. 1-800-636-1067. Who's the breakout player of the year? Here's, here's my choice. The breakout player for 2023 for the Washington Commanders is going to be Brian Robinson Jr. He was not 100%. He was shot before the season. Now, he'll have a full year. And get back to his full form. His vision will improve with seeing cutback lanes. Our offensive line better damn improve this offseason, right? I think we better improve in the draft at the O-line position, which should lead to more holes. We already know Marty and Ron want to be two runs to one throw, which I completely disagree with. But anyway, they want to run, run, run. Run the damn ball. This all leads to me believing Brian Robinson will break out for 1,000 yards rushing next season. Ron said all season long, the game plan changed completely the moment they found out that Brian Robinson got shot. They had planned for a two-running back system with him and Gibson, and Robinson had earned the starting position at the end of preseason. It ruined what they had prepared for offensively all season. Well, now he can execute the way he wants to with a fully healthy Brian Robinson. I think Brian Robinson's biggest concern that he can work on this offseason would be Talking about a breakout player, his breakaway quickness, right? He's going to need to get a little bit faster, in my opinion. Something that I think most people can improve on in the offseason. If you dedicate yourself to it, he'll be in the gym daily. He's very motivated. Every single interview I've ever heard of Brian Robinson, he understands where he could have been better. And he feels like he's hungry. It sounds like he's hungry. He wants to carry this team on his back to the playoffs. Remember how he was fighting for every single yard during our win streak, carrying teams on his back? 
carrying the opposition for six, seven, eight yards? When this team, Washington, was at its best, it were the games where Brian Robinson was running for 80, 90 to 100 yards. That's why he's my breakout player of the year. I want to hear from you. Who do you got? 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. Phone lines are always open here on AWOD Radio. You can always tweet me throughout the show at AWOD Radio, A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O. Phone lines are open. 1-800-636-1067. Your calls after this quick commercial break. Welcome back to the fan. Here on a Saturday morning, I'm Adam Epstein. Time to get up and at him here on AWOD Radio. Talk a little bit of Eagles here with Chris McPherson coming up at 10 a.m. Eagles hosting the 49ers Sunday championship Sunday in the NFL. Who advances to the Super Bowl out of the AFC and the NFC? But right now, taking your phone calls. 1-800-636-1067. Who do you believe will be Washington's breakout star for 2023? Jahan Dotson is who Pro Football Focus has. I've ran through the list of candidates there. I think Cole Turner is second behind who I chose, which is Brian Robinson Jr. I still believe in him. I, I think he, you know, he kind of fell off at the end of the season, but so did the quarterback play. So did the defense. The team wasn't the same there uh, from 7-5 and five to really the ugly end of the season, ending 8-8-1 eight, eight and one for the Washington Commanders. Get in touch with me. 1-800-636-1067. Who will be the breakout star for the Commanders? I chose Brian Robinson Jr. Let's go to the phone lines here. Looks like we've got uh, Andy and Sterling. Andy, what's up, man? You're on the fan. Hey, Adam. Hey, Adam. How you doing, buddy? Hey, uh, I think you stole my thunder, man. I think uh, Jahan Dodson will be the impact player 2023. He seems to have a knack for uh, finding the end zone. Uh, he's definitely a playmaker. I wish he'd put on about... 10 to 15 more pounds, though. He seems a little uh, on the thin side. But I think that'll be the player. I'd also like to make another point, and this is not related to what we're talking about, but let's talk about Snyder not selling the team to Bezos because of all the nasty things that uh, the Washington Post wrote about Snyder that were true. Uh, I think Bezos is hanging back and waiting to see what other what other offers are made for the commanders. He's going to sit back, and then when it's all in, uh, Snyder will pick whoever offers him the most, including Bezos. That slime ball, that slime ball, Snyder will sell to whoever offers the most money. He'll take his money. Uh, his evidently his residence now is England. So he'll go out there, maybe try to put in a bid for uh, the London uh, NFL franchise or maybe buy a team in the Premier League. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, I, I do agree. Look, I, I think from what all, all the reports that I've heard, Bezos not officially putting a bid in is, is not that big of a concern. He's one of the richest guys in the world. When it comes down to it, if he still wants the team, he will eventually put a bid in. And I do like the, that report the other day that he would be willing to sell the Washington Post in good gesture to Dan. I do think Dan's a, sl- a slice, just a, a sleazy dude, and I think he would take the most money. Uh, personally, I would love for him to purchase Manchester United because I'm a Chelsea fan and I want Manchester United to struggle. And all those fans here in the, in the uh, America to watch him ruin that franchise as well. But your pick with Jahan Dotson, here's my issue with that, is that I think the wide receiver room is too crowded for him to be a breakout player, and I think that Curtis Samuel's going to be way more involved next season. What would you say to that? I mean, Curtis Samuel showed in the first few weeks of the season that he's got the explosiveness to kind of be like a, 
Debo Samuel light. Oh, he dropped off. All right, let's see if we can go back to the phone lines here. Uh, do we have Mitch on the line? Mitch, you're on the fan with Adam Epstein. How's it going, Adam? Hey, man, thanks doing, for calling. Uh, yeah, I hope everything's well. Um, thanks for taking my call. We're good at wide receivers and running back, but I think Sam Howell, even though he's not a rookie, he's played one game. I think he's going to have a good uh, I think he's gonna have a good year. Maybe, you know, because, you know, it's a wild card. I think uh, he was good in college. Uh, I know he's seen his last year. Didn't look too good, but... um. I think he's got potential, and uh, if he's starting, I think he's going to put up good numbers. So, Mitch, what what does breakout player mean to you? Because for me, breakout player means pro bowler or or close to that. And I don't think that Sam Howell could break out to that level. Well, there's so many good quarterbacks. I mean, it's tough. I mean, to me, the pro bowl is a joke. But um, (laughs) unless you draft somebody this year that – it's got to be somebody that doesn't get the ball, or I mean, you don't need defensive alignment. I think Sam Howell will be uh, your biggest surprise. I mean, not a big uh, surprise, but breakout player. I appreciate the call. If you want to chime in, one eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. One eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. I asked myself before I went through this breakout player, where am I most confident in this team with all the position groups? Where am I most confident? And that's why I went against picking Jahan Dotson like Pro Football Focus did because. I'm most confident in our wide receiver group. I'm already confident in these guys. They don't need to break out. I love Terry McLaurin. I think Terry McLaurin is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. And I think he still has a chip on his shoulder that he wants to keep proving that. And he's such a great locker room guy. And he's such a great leader. And you thought he was kind of cool, calm, and collective. But we saw towards the end of the season, he can get fired up. His ass can get fired up and give a great pregame speech, and I love that from Terry McLaurin. And like I said earlier, you give him a 50-50 ball, he's going to come down with it more times than not. He had the game-winning catch against the Colts and against the Packers. And it was against two really good corners with Gilmore and then Jair Alexander. And yet, Heineke said, screw it, McLaurin's down there somewhere, and he threw it and made the catch, and the Commanders won those games. Then I look at Curtis Samuel. I love him, man. I, I, he's so much fun to watch. I, I think here's what I'm going to say right now, hot take. Scott Turner failed as an offense coordinator by not getting Curtis Samuel more involved. And when you have a guy like that that's such a unique playmaker, a Debo Samuel light, right? Debo Samuel's uh, Bud Weiser. Curtis Samuel is Bud Light, right? When you have a Bud Light, you got to find a way to get him more involved. And the biggest game in the season, five carries for one yard, that's on the offensive coordinator. you gotta, you got to be trickier. you got to be smoother in your play calling. And so I love Curtis Samuel to have a good season next year if he can stay healthy like he did this year. And then Jahan Dotson, maybe the best like individual route runner that we have at the wide receiver position, right? Like from all the highlights and the breakdowns that I've seen, it seems like he can turn a slant in, into a, a, a slant extreme because of the way he could chop his feet and make you think he's going outside before he comes back inside. That's what he did in the red zone. He doesn't have that much size, right? But it's his quickness and his, and his uh, footwork that was allowing him to get open in the red zone. So most confident position group would be the wide receiver. Second would be the defensive line, right? I think most people would agree. Jonathan Allen. You can agree or disagree on bringing back Deron Payne. But I think uh, the smart financial move would be to let him walk. I hope he doesn't go to the Cowboys. That would drive me crazy. And I think he, I, I think he's understanding 
the rivalry enough to know that if you go to Dallas, everyone here is going to hate you forever. But he also wants to get paid. I, I saw Seattle was a possible destination for Jerron Payne. And, and here's why it's a smart to business decision just to let him walk. It's because you already filled that hole last season in the offseason by drafting Fedarius Mathis. Fedarian Mathis out of Alabama as well. The problem is he got hurt, missed the entire season. So you don't really know what to expect. But the smart business decision would be let him walk and plug in the piece that you already drafted to be that piece. But I think Chase Young could be a breakout player next year if he gets back to the form that he was in kind of in 2020 when he was picking up fumbles and returning them for touchdowns. You know, he's also got to work on his bag. He's got to work on his pass rush. He's got to work on the type of moves that he does. But I think the third most confident group I have, position group, would be running back. Because I do really, I truly, really believe in Brian Robinson Jr. The hype was real from what I saw in the preseason. Then he got shot. Then he came back week five, and he wasn't the same. He didn't have that quickness. He didn't have the explosive uh, push off the line. But then, during the team's win streak, he got back to full fitness. He got back to full form. And he was trucking people. He really did look like a smaller version of Derrick Henry. A similar version of Joe Mixon. He was terrific. This Washington team was not good enough to go on the type of win streak they went on. To go from 1-4 and four to 7-5-1. and one. Not good enough to do that. The reason they did that is because guys were playing above their average. Now, he did regress back to the mean later on in the season. I think that's because the offensive line was beat up and teams were completely taking away the running game. They were daring Heineke and Wentz to throw on them, and neither could really do that that successfully. I believe Brian Robinson Jr. could be as good as a pro bowler next season. Thousand yards rushing. That's my promise here, January 28th. Save this audio, Caitlin. Save it. All right, let's go to... Pat in Mechanicsville. Pat, you're on the fan with Adam Epstein. What's up, buddy? Good day. How you doing? I'm good, man. What's yeah, your call about today? Yeah, I think maybe De'Ami Brown because they were familiar with each other playing at uh, University of North Carolina, and he was his go-to man. So, you know, I'm thinking that De'Ami might get on the uh, field a little bit more this year. Have a good one. That's a good point. It's a good point, Pat. And how great was De'Ami Brown in that one 76-yard touchdown catch this season? Oh, he already dropped out. All right. Yeah. No, De'Ami Brown's a good point. Good point. I'd love to see him on the field more. And I forgot about him and Sam Howell connecting in college. That was his favorite guy. And that was Sam Howell's best season in college when he had De'Ami Brown. Fell off his senior year, and that's why he dropped down draft boards, and Washington was able to snag him later in the draft. All right, phone lines are always open throughout the show, 1-800-636-1067, 1-800-636-1067. Before you place your bets, listen in. I've got Chris McPherson joining the show next. He's an Eagles reporter. We'll dive into Eagles 49ers, which will be Sunday at 3 p.m. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 